Well, this feels like a one-man band here. Oh. Um, talking about Pastor Dave, I told him the other day, well, the elders and have, uh, we have discussed and about sharing for Father's Day. And I told him, I'm not even a preacher. I'm like, I'm not a speaker. And he just looked at me at the, uh, the eye and he's like, Raul, you always preach when you talk. <laughs> so... I'm sorry, you know, sometimes I engage in conversations with you and you, and you have to hear me all the time, and, you know, I just want to give God the glory of everything he has done in my life, and that's our desire, that's my desire for you, and say, the Lord did this, and he's faithful. Um, let's pray together before I start speaking so God can speak through me. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I thank you for giving me the privilege to share my heart. Oh, the desire of my heart is to give you the glory and to remind everybody here, Lord, that you are our good Father. You are our creator. You want to share eternity with us, and we want to do so. And thank you for giving us that privilege to come to you through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for all the things that you've done. Thank you for all the things you're doing and all the things you're going to do. We know that your will is a perfect will, and we want to live according to your will. So, Lord, may you speak. May you bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I was uh, 18 years old, I bought my first vehicle. I worked painting apartments and houses, and, and I was so excited to buy my first car. It was a 1976 Toyota Corolla uh, SR5. I don't know if you know about that. So on the first Corolla, came with five speeds. That was really cool. I dedicated a little time in that vehicle that my parents used to tell me, that's your idol. I used to wash it every single day, or at least I wipe it, you know. I buff it every week, and I crash many times. And, uh, <laughs> and I had a really good sound system, good sound system, all that stuff, which, by the way, uh, it was stolen after a while. <laughs> but one of those days, my radio, uh, my, you know, they come with this old radio, so I pulled that thing, and I found this good deal, and I put an old, uh, a new radio on it. And I don't know, maybe I didn't do the wiring together. By the way, I'm an electronic technician, if you didn't know that. But I didn't have my education by then. So that was my inclination towards So I tried to put it together, and it fried. <laughs> so I ended up going to an a electronic repair place, and... And I left my stereo with this guy, and he told me, come back tomorrow. I went back, and he said, no, it's not ready. It happened for like two weeks, and I was just so upset. And I didn't know that this guy had a plan, and he wanted to share Christ with me. So um, the day that he fixed my radio, he didn't give it to me. He said, yeah, I have it on the back shelf. But, and he opened his Bible and started sharing about the Lord. And believe me, I was shaking. I was just scared to death. There, I was like, oh. So, and he told me, Raul, you know, can you repeat this prayer? I've done all that. I, you know, I grew up, and, you know, I was Catholic when I grew up, and I've done all that, you know. But how, do you know that if you give your life to Jesus Christ, you confess your mouth, believe in your heart? I'm like, yeah, I've done all that. And I said, well, repeat this prayer with me. And Romans chapter 10, um, verse 9 says, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then that was it. He gave me my stereo, and I left. I was really mad. 
I thought he was trying to convert me. <laughs> and I remember going to a friend. I said, I can't believe it. This guy did this to me this, and asked me to repeat this prayer and all that. And she was like, don't worry about it. You didn't do anything wrong. I'm like, okay. When I came to the United States, I started going to church. I got saved. I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And I couldn't understand why everybody was crying and everybody was happy. But I, do knew, I, I did know that I wanted to learn more about God's word. I remember opening my Bible and understanding everything. And everything was so clear. I called my cousins that I used to party with and told them, hey, I can't believe it. You won't believe this. Christ loves you. He's our father. And they were like, oh, Raul, you became a hallelujah. So... I was rejected by my family except for my parents. My parents, they say, it's okay. As long as you're seeking God, you know, keep going. Eventually, my parents got saved, which was a blessing. I never thought, I never imagined my parents were going to get saved. Uh, and there is nothing impossible for our Lord. I came to realize that our God, our Father, wants to save us through his Son. That's why he sent his Son to the, to the earth, so he will die for our sins. Our good father wants to say, God the father who sent his only son for me so I could be adopted as a child of God through redemption of the blood of Jesus Christ. But not just that. He's willing to share inheritance with us. If you turn with me in Romans uh, chapter 8, verse 12, 17. And we're just going to read that. I'm not going to spend too much time there. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh, but if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage, again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Isn't that cool? Also, we have these other scripture in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11. It says, For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren. And this is Jesus. John chapter 20, verse 17, Jesus is talking to Mary Magdalene. So Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. And then I, I realized, well, I got saved, so what does my Father want with me? God wants to have a relationship with you. After you get saved, if you will start reading our Bible. I remember people telling me, you don't do this, you don't do that, we shouldn't do this. You don't need to do that. God does the whole work. Growing up, I didn't have the hunting, fishing, and camping experience. Or you probably mentioned about camping. I would love to go camping. I'm terrible camping. Uh, yeah, I think I did it once in California. And yeah, I was like, I want my bed. So... <laughs> Now, some of you, you have RVs and all that. That sounds like a good way to camp. So. But I didn't, have that spend, I didn't spend that time with my dad. My dad never got on his knees, and I did that this morning with Titus, and play cars and go around. And um, 
My dad for me was an authority. I knew that he wanted the best for me. He wanted me to be a good man, hard worker, but I never had those experiences with him. I was scared to death to know that he would be mad of me because he was the authority in my house. That's it. Eventually, my dad got saved, and I remember walking with him, and he told me, it took me 62 years to come to know the truth and to accept the Lord in my life. And it was one of the greatest things. I think I had a greater relationship when he came to know the Lord. But friends, I tell you, there is nothing worse than correcting your child without having a relationship with him. That's one of the worst things that we can do. Our God, our Father, wants to have a relationship with us so we can understand his will. When we come and, and tell our children, do this, do that, and we don't have a relationship with you, technically you start becoming his enemy. And that's one of the things that happen when, we, when people don't know the Lord. How come God does this? How come does, if it was God, why he allowed this? We don't understand his will. And for the same reason, we miss his blessings. The other day I told, uh, for, I, I think you all know that we have chickens. It's a country experience. And uh, I think Stephanie goes and squeezes the chicken every time, every morning, because she doesn't go to Costco anymore to buy eggs. So. Uh, and the other day I was like, what are you doing, Stephanie? I was going to work. And she's like, I'm just waiting for the chicken to lay an egg. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> Anyways. Chickens was really like a fun thing that we we're going to have our own eggs and all this stuff. And it became a job for my kids. And I think we we're trying to teach him responsibility to that. But the other day, um, I came to Malachi. And I told, him, I told Malachi I was going to share with this with him, with you. Malachi, did you put water on the chickens? And then he's like, yes, I did. And I already I had seen the bowl that was empty, dry. And I'm like, Malachi, did you put water on the chickens? Yes, I did, Daddy. He already got straight. And then I'm like, Malachi, I'm going to give you one more chance. Tell me the truth, please. Did you put water in the chicken bowl? And he started crying. I'm sorry. Why are you crying? Well, I don't know. I'm like, I forgot. What am I going to do as a father? I want to say, you know what? Thank you for telling me the truth. Thank you. I see conviction in him. He starts crying, and he starts, you know, he's like, it's okay. Let's go do it together. And I told him, you know, it's okay. You know, I, I won't spank you because I want you to know that you can come to me anytime and tell me the truth. I don't want you to be going around. When we sin, what's the first thing we want to do? Oh, my father, my good father, you know, I cannot even look at him. I'm a sinner. I'm filthy. I'm dirty. No. That's completely wrong. We want to get on our knees and confess and say, Lord, I messed up. Please hold me. I fell down again. And that pleases God. That's worship to God. And that's, that's what we're called to do because he's a good father. He wants to bless us. He wants a relationship with us. But after we establish that relationship, we understand that there is correction. Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 5 and verse 6, it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as the sons. And my sons, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom him receives. God wants the best 
for us. But there is a lot of things. We're not perfect, and we'll never be perfect until we see Jesus. But he wants us to live Christ-like in this life. And there is things that, you know, that's why I have the need to pray and confess, Lord, I'm a sinner. Because we are not perfect. We all fall. But we have to acknowledge that before our good father. Because our good father, he understands. He loves us unconditionally. Agape love. It hurts, but it will never, I would have never imagined if you had told me in those difficult days that I was going to have a daughter, I was going to have three sons, I was going to have my wife, I was going to be leading worship. Oh, my goodness. It would have scared me today if you told me that. I'm like, no, 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 me. You know, and still, if God wants to use you, he will use you. But we just want to be vessels. We're talking about that in the young adult. Uh, we do the Bible study every other Friday. And we're talking about being an earthly vessel. Don't you want to be an earthly vessel? And I just remember about that, the potter and the clay. I don't know if you've ever seen that video. I saw it when I just got saved. And this guy is churning, spinning, and he's with a big piece of metal and cleaning all these leftovers and making this beautiful vessel. But in the meantime, he's talking. He's like, oh, that's hurting. Oh, that hurts. Oh, that hurts. That hurts. And it's a beautiful video. It's a really old video. And at the end, he puts it up and says, it's a beautiful vessel. And so now it can be used to put water it can be used to do this, to do that. And at the end of the video, he drops this vessel and breaks in pieces. And it's like everybody's scared. Whoa! And then he grabs the bottom and says, but you still have, you've been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. You still belong. And that's brokenness. When we learn that God is trying to do the best in our lives, even when we don't understand, we learn to live according to his will. We live with joy. He's, and we start living his perspective. Matthew chapter, 11, chapter 7, verse 11 says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, your problems and difficulties don't go away. They don't go away. But you learn to see and face life in a godly perspective, even when it's difficult. And you know that God has a perfect plan. God designed you to have personal relationship with him. That's the way he chose to. He has a perfect plan. You want to enjoy God's blessings. You want to live long, submit to him, and spend time with him, seek him, and you will find him. He is a good father. You will enjoy his blessings. And things will fall on the left and the right, but you know my good father is taking care of me. And he's in control, not me. Let's pray. I'm going to sing with a song, and this is part of my message. And, uh, let's pray and acknowledge our God. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for being a good father. Thank you for allowing us to be called children of God. Lord, we know that we don't deserve it, but you still love us, Lord. Doors are open. You are the only one who opens hearts. You are the only one who saves. Lord, we believe that we'll spend eternity with you for those who have accepted us as Lord and Savior. And you be glorified as we acknowledge that you are a good father, good creator. 
and you are always in control. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Am I on, Nicole? Can you hear me? Is that good? All right, I think I can hear myself. All right, well, amen to that. Uh, Raul, um, yeah, when, I, when we decided we were going to speak for Father's Day, I decided I wasn't going to ask you what you were going to do, and I wasn't going to tell you what I was going to do, and sure enough, the Lord was faithful to, to dovetail it together, uh, because Raul, uh, he decided to talk about uh, how God is a father uh, towards us. And I, I, wanted to, I decided to focus a little bit more on how God wants to use each of us human fathers as fathers in our children's lives. And so it dovetails perfectly, and I could, I could piggyback on a bunch of things she said, but I wouldn't have enough time to do all that, and uh, I'm not going to take all that time, but uh, awesome, awesome what you had to share, Raul. Uh, so what I wanted to share about is... Um, thinking about as a Christian dad, and if you're not a Christian dad here today, that's okay because uh, if you're a Christian wife who's married to a dad, then you can be encouraging that dad in what his role is. And if you're not either of those, you can encourage any father you see that these are some things he needs to think about. So we all have a part in this. And I want to share about uh, how God can use us as a father to lead our children to him and ultimately to lead our children to come to him and then to walk with him. And I I, I was trying to think about what was a a verse in scripture that would sum up uh, what a father's job is. And I came up with Ephesians uh, 6, verses 1 to 4, and I'm just reading the context of it, but the verse 4 is the actual verse that that talks about the, what a father's job is. So I'll start at verse 1, though. Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. And you, fathers, here's the verse 4, and you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray before we go on. Heavenly Father, just please uh, speak through me and help us all to hear and be able to take away um, the core of this and and what you long so much to do in each dad's life. Um, Thank you that you're so full of grace, so much power through your spirit to to help us uh, to, to live the way you want us to live. So thank you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh. It's probably worth noting, what's the overall context of this passage I just read? Uh, if, you, if you look around in your Bible, you see that Paul in Ephesians, for the first three chapters, he's talking about everything that God's done for us as Christians, and a lot of things, a lot of amazing things. If you ever study Ephesians, you'll, you see that. And then when he gets to chapter 4, verse 1, he says... Uh, He says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Uh, And then he goes on for for the rest of the book, basically, to describe what that worthy walk looks like. And when he gets into chapter, middle of chapter 5, he starts talking about what's it supposed to look like in the life of of a family. And verse 22, he starts telling wives, this is what you're supposed to do if you want to have a walk worthy of the calling with which God has called you. And then uh, just a little bit after that, verse 25, he starts talking to husbands and he takes a lot longer to talk to them. Uh, 
And then when he's done talking to wives and husbands, implying that if they're doing what they're supposed to do, then verse 6 here, verses 1 to 4, is going to work a lot better. Uh, and then he says, children, obey your parents. And I'm not going to spend time on that. I, I think if children have probably heard that quite a bit. But this is for fathers today. But then he gets down to verse 4. And that's where it says, And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Just, just one verse of what are dads supposed to do. Don't provoke them to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And so, when I look at that verse, it's saying three things, actually saying four things. And the first thing it's saying here is, when it comes to dads, I'm not to be a tyrant towards my children. I'm not supposed to be a dictator, right? I'm not supposed to be a one just doling out commands. And if you don't obey them, it's curtains for you, son or daughter. Um, I'm supposed to be a loving servant leader of my kids, just like Christ is a loving servant leader for all of us. And so if, I, if I'm making all these rules and making it hard for them to follow them and, and severely disciplining them when they don't, that's going to provoke them to anger or discourage them, and it's just not going to work. And what's really supposed to happen is I'm supposed to train them. That's another word for discipline. This is the positive side of it. I'm supposed to train them, discipline them uh, to develop self-control and orderliness in their life. And on the negative side, I'm supposed to admonish them. I'm supposed to caution them against what's wrong. I'm supposed to warn them. I'm supposed to mildly reprove them. I'm supposed to urge and exhort them to do what's right. So there's a positive side and a negative side. Uh, But then Paul ends by saying, bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And that's what I want to focus in on. You know, all this stuff about being a dad and raising kids is not to be done with God out of the picture, right? God's got to be in the picture. He's got to be right there alongside. Now, Raul got, got, sort of was giving his testimony there about how he came to the Lord and, and grew in the Lord. And Raul, by the time you became a father, you were walking with the Lord. And so the Lord used your relationship with him then to start passing that on to your kids, right? Imagine if you didn't have that and you were trying to figure out how am I supposed to raise boy or boys or girls, sons or daughters? I, there's a lot of things I could do to try to raise them, things I could tell them about, all the different things the world says you should do. Uh, and the world does a lot of that as far as discipline and teaching and things. But the thing that would be missing is what? My relationship with God would be missing so I would not know how to try to pass that on to them, right? And, and yet that is the core thing. If you're really going to get down to being a Christian dad, that's what it's really all about, right? Why did God give me children in the first place? So God wants to use me as a primary influence to influence my children for him and to bring them to himself. So I'm going to narrow the, the focus down now to that. Being dad, as a dad, I want to be inspired to have God operating through me to do that miracle. And you know what? I think it's common in our culture today. Wouldn't you think that, that us dads want to be lazy 
or maybe think that we can't do that. And we find other people who we think can do a better job, right? And so we hand them off to church, Sunday school, youth leaders, so forth. And, th- and that's fine. They can, they can augment. They can't replace, but they can add to and augment what I'm supposed to do, right? It, God has set it up so that I am, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do as a dad, that's going to be far more effective than what some of those other entities can do for my kids. And so I have my notes here. You know, all the training and moshing in the world will not accomplish much of eternal value if I don't have this as my core motivation, that God wants to use me to evangelize and disciple my children all for the glory of God. You know, God could just come down and appear in theophany and to my kids and to each one of them like he did the Apostle Paul and, and say, hey, come over to me. You know, but he doesn't, he's not going to do that, right? He set it up so he's going to use parents. That's his primary way that he does it, right? But before he's going to use me that way, I've got to be a follower of Jesus, right? I have to be walking with him. I've got to seek him myself. So I'm, I'm living in a dream world if I'm hoping to see my sons or daughters come to the Lord and walk with him if I haven't come to him, or even I've come to him if, I ha- if I'm not really walking with him myself. I can only guide them, right, to the extent that I've been guided by God. You know, we're all on a journey towards God, and only to the degree that I've walked towards him can I lead them that same way. So there's, there's motivation in there as a dad to put aside the stuff of this world that seems to always be trying to grab hold of me and, and pull me away from my relationship with God or, or interfere with it or, or bog it down or get in the way. There's a huge motivation there to, to let go of that so that I can keep drawing near to him so that he can use me to draw my kids near to him. Now, just a quick note for wives here. You know, the, if you do what the Scripture says in your role in marriage, which is follow your husband's lead and uh, respect him, even if he's not fully living up to his role that Scripture describes, if you'll do that, then that will be the best Father's Day gift you can give him because if you do that, that amplifies his ability immensely to do what I'm, um, what I'm about to talk about here. If, I, if I'm trying to influence my kids for Christ, but my wife is undermining that because she's not fulfilling her role, then it's not going to work too well, right? Because my kids are going to be getting a mixed message. So wives, you have an important role in the whole thing as well. But you know, if I'm a follower of Jesus, he's going to make it clear to me that my kids actually belong to him. Do you ever think about that? You know, if, if you, for those of you who are dads, you have kids, when your kids came into the world, did you think that, wow, this baby, yeah, it came from our flesh, this baby came from our flesh, boy or girl, but he or she belongs to the Lord. Literally, belongs to him. He, he's their creator. He used us to give them life. He put a soul into them and, and created them, which means that ultimately, because they're his, he's going to have them back someday. You know, it's not like they're a little idol that I can carry around the rest of my existence and ignoring the, the fact that God's the one who actually owns them. They're, they're his. 
And when I'm aware that they're really His, then I'm aware that I'm a steward of them. Steward, I'm, I'm, I'm a steward, like someone would take care of someone else's property. Well, they're more than just property. They're precious souls that belong to God. He's given them to me so that I can influence them. And that can sort of fill you with fear and trembling because it's like, can I do that, God? They belong to you. Can you just do it? <laughs> and then he says, no, chat. Yeah, they belong to me, but I want you to influence them. I want you to do that. So what does God want me to do with this precious stewardship when it comes to the, the focus of evangelizing them and discipling them, if and when they come to him? And so I'm going to call my assistant up here. Nathan, could you come up here? <clears throat> Nathan is a... He's not being surprised by this. He, I asked him if he'd be willing to assist me this morning. And I, I let him think about it, and he agreed that he'd want to help. So thanks for coming up and being willing to, to uh, help us in this, Nathan. So I, I'm, I'm having him come up so that for those of you who are more visually oriented, it might leave an impression in your mind about, about what it's supposed to look like in evangelizing and, and bring your, helping you know, God, having God use you to bring your children to the Lord. And uh, the first thing, let's come over here, Nathan. You know, every, every, every kid is born into the world not knowing God. That's what Scripture says. No one seeks after God. They don't know Him. There's some people that have us believe that everyone's born good, uh, but that, that's not what the Bible says. Uh, we're all born naturally selfish. And for the sake of this demonstration, pr- pretend that the cross over there is symbolic of the kingdom of God, Christ, God the Father, salvation, coming to Him and being in His kingdom and, and walking with Him and belonging to Him. See, that's pictorial, that, for this demonstration. Where every kid comes into the world sort of looking somewhere else, like over there, you know. And actually, they come into the world looking at their own navel because we're all born selfish and we're all born wanting everything for ourselves. And everyone who's been a parent knows that that's true. You can't deny it. Then, then they start to grow up, you know, and they can start to understand some things, and they're, they're looking there, or they're looking there, or elsewhere, but they're not naturally looking over there, are they, at the kingdom of God? So my first job is to point them that way, right? Go like that, and point them that way, and then as I do that, what happens sometimes? Hmm... <laughs> And that keeps happening over and over again, doesn't it? I'm pointing them. I haven't even walked towards it. I've just turned them around to point them that way. He naturally wants to keep looking at all the other things too because, hey, there's a lot of stuff in this world that's neat to look at, you know. And since that one is invisible, that one takes a little more work to keep pointing them back at. But you know what? I can't even point them there if I don't know who God is myself. And, and pointing there is just, when you think of it, it just means starting to tell them who God is, that there is a God, and what he's like. You know, rather than all the other philosophies that are out there that deny God or deny the true God. And so, so I'm pointing them toward, I'm starting to point them towards the true God. Well then, as I've done that enough, I take them by the hand and I start to lead them closer to the true God, right? 
But then what happens sometimes? <laughs> no, yeah, right? And that keeps happening over and over again, right? Oh, Nathan, Nathan, this way. I'm trying to, I want to show you something really neat. Keep coming this way, you know. <laughs> and, and that, and so it's a, it's a constant battle, isn't it? Because of all the other things that they want to look at. But in, in, in leading them towards God, what am I doing? I'm starting to help them to understand a little bit more about who this true God is, what he did, what happened 2,000 years ago when he came into this world as Jesus Christ and all the amazing things he did back then and what results from all that, right? Uh, if I don't teach them about that, and yeah, I know Sunday school can teach that, but if I don't tell them that myself, when I, then they're losing out on the benefit, right? Because I need to know all that, and I need to tell them of it myself as a dad, and it, the effect on them is far greater uh, than when others do it. That's the way God set it up. So we're getting closer, and then um, as we get close enough, I think I'm going to take this with me here. As we get close enough... <clears throat> He gets close enough and he's heard all the truth about what Jesus did and everything. Then I can start to tell them that most important message, right? The gospel. If I, if I haven't prepped it enough, if they don't know the history of the Bible, why this world's fallen and why it is the way it is, then they're not really going to understand it once I give the gospel message. So, but assuming that's all happened and I've been patient and and all that, then I'm going to give them that message. And I'm going to give them, I want to give them the full message, right? I don't want to give them just part of it. I think giving them part of the message would just be, Christ died for your sins, and so you would not have to be you know, separated from God forever and go to hell. You can go to heaven if you just believe that he died for your sins. You know? Now that's, that's in the message, right? But, you know, there's more to the message than just that. It's that it's a kingdom. It's a, it's a whole realm different from what we know here on earth. It's a kingdom we're going to go into and we're going to be in it forever. And going into it means that the kingdom has a king, right? And when a kingdom has a king, it means he's the ruler. I'm not. So everyone who comes into that kingdom is surrendering to him, right? Because the, our whole problem is that we were going away from him and he's trying to restore us back to himself to be in his kingdom. So in, in telling my son the gospel, it's that, yes, uh, he died for you so that you don't have to be separated from him, so that you can come back into his kingdom. But coming back into his kingdom means that he's the king, you're not. He calls the shots, you don't. He's the boss, you're not. And, and that means it might sort of seem like it costs a little bit to what you want to do because you have to, you're sort of making a choice between what I want to do and what he wants. Well, then, um, let's go down here, Nathan. If I get him close enough and he's, he's listened to the message, then we're right down here. And my job is to allow God to use me to bring him face to face with him. And what I would describe that as being is that when I'm, when I'm bringing them face to face with Jesus, I can only do it if I myself have come face to face with him. And what does that mean? It, think about Isaiah's 
vision in the temple back in Isaiah chapter 6 where he sees the Lord in all his glory and he just comes to the end of himself because he finally realizes that he's nothing and God's everything and he's in fear and trembling. And then he realizes that, oh, it's not hopeless. God's made a way for me to be um, restored from that. And in that vision, the angel took a coal from the altar and purified Isaiah and um, he realized that he was fit to, to belong to God and serve God. Well, you know, uh, everyone, including Nathan, has to come to a place where he realizes that it's not just about buying a ticket to heaven by believing the facts of the gospel, but it has to be a personal thing. It's personal. I am nothing before God. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount at the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's what it means to come and be at the end of yourself at the cross. You're at the end of yourself, but you know it's not hopeless because you know he did something to take care of the problem, right? And so when you're there and you come face to face and you're looking at it and you're, it's more than just hearing the message. Now it's, it's God speaking right into the heart. It's like, yeah, Nathan, what are you going to do about this message? You know that you can't help yourself. You know there's nothing you can do to save yourself. You need him to save you. You need him to come into your heart and change you so that you can walk with him. You can't do that on your own. Um, that's what bringing them face to face with Jesus is all about. And then once they're there, um, it's inviting him, right? Inviting your son or daughter to respond to that and surrender to that. But you know what? In, in giving that invitation, I don't want to coerce him. I don't want to force him as if it's you know, coming from one religion to another. I don't want to trick him into the kingdom. I don't want to uh, make it seem like it's just buying a ticket. I want him to realize that you know, you're coming to this Lord and Savior who's the creator of the universe and he's the king and you're not. And if you're going to come to him to be restored to him, that means he's the master. You know, will you come to him on his terms? And and so I, I can't force him to do that. I got to wait for God to work in his heart to, for he sees that himself and needs to respond to that. So I don't want to coerce, force, trick, easy believe him into the kingdom. I want to let God work in his heart to change him and help him surrender to him. And, and you know what? When God does that, when you'll wait on God through prayer and every one of these steps, prayer is so essential, you know. Uh, every one of these, uh, we can go back up on the stage now, Nathan. <clears throat> so I'm in prayer before God from the beginning to the end, from, the, from when I first try to point my son towards him all the way towards bringing him face to face with God and um, encouraging him to consider coming into the kingdom. And, you know, when God does that work, when God moves and does that, you see the difference. You really do. Um, there's a, I, I, the way I would describe it is, is like this. When, when they're considering the kingdom, they might be looking at the cross but their sort of arms are folded like this. You know, they, they might be trying to be a good child 
and going to church and all that, but they'll be going like this, then they'll go like this, right? And then they'll, they'll keep looking back at it. But Nathan, what happens when finally that surrender comes? What is it like? You know, you remember? <laughs> Where's the cue cards now? <laughs> it's sort of like this. It's like all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, it's like you finally give in and you come to him and you embrace Jesus for who he is and you stop thinking about it and instead you surrender and come. And, and when that happens and when he comes into the heart, you see the difference, you know. Uh, a kid will have spiritual thirst at that point. He'll be interested in the things of God. And you still have to lead him on because here's the final thing. When they come, when that change has happened, then what's got to happen? I was leading him here in the beginning like this. Now that he's in the kingdom, I go, I go, go like this the rest of the time I have him. Nathan, you've just begun an amazing journey. It's going to go on the rest of your life, and I'm here to help you with that journey as long as I have you here, and even after you've left home, I'm still here to help you. you know, that's called discipleship, right? Um, I can't ignore that part. I mean, it's too common to try to see that a kid is saved and comes into the kingdom born again, and then after that, it's sort of like, okay, they're in now, and then we sort of relax, like, they're in. Well, you know what? God didn't design it that way. God designed it that once the person comes in, now they've got to grow in that and be built up in it and keep on going. So it's, it's a constant journey. And so I got to, in fact, I would say it's maybe the most important part of the journey of all is, is once the, once the uh, work of evangelizing is done, I've heard it said that the rest is mop-up, meaning now you're just discipling them, helping them to continue to recognize wrong and do right and to learn how to walk with God and have faith in Him and develop a life of faith like Pastor Dave preached his last four messages, how to grow your faith and have a life of faith. Well, God wants to use me to teach him how to do that. But again, I can't do that to him if it's not happening in me, right? So I, I pray that that would be a great motivation. Thanks, Nathan. You may sit down, and I'm just about done. I just want to end by saying, dads, you can do this with God's help. You can seek him for it and you can realize it and he'll do that. You don't have to shrink back and hope that someone else will do it or hope that it'll happen. You can be proactive and you can seek God and you'll see God work in your life and then you'll see God work through you to be that dad to your sons or daughters. And when it happens, it's so refreshing and it's so invigorating. And then God uses that to encourage you to to do it even more. So that's my encouragement today. Seek Him, dads. Seek seek Him to use you for that purpose. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Your graciousness and, and tenderness and mercy towards us is so amazing and you're so patient with us and you keep gently pulling us back towards yourself over and over and over again because our hearts are so fickle. But, but thank you for your mercy on us as dads and that, and that you will use us. I just pray for each dad here, wherever they're at in that journey of being a dad, I pray that you will encourage them directly right in their heart 
to move towards you, to not let the evil one have his way, to not let this world have its way, but to be used by you to, to point their kids to you and to, to be used by you to rescue them out of this fallenness that this world's in. Thank you for your deliverance. Thank you for the way you set it all up. And thank you for the chance to honor and glorify you by, by doing this. And may you be, your name be praised every time another child comes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.